down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the cemetery. For most of us, our morning routines are usually the same. We push the start button on the Keurig, take a shower, grab the keys, and go. We know the route to work so well that we could probably drive it with our eyes closed. When we get to the office and someone asks us how we're doing, we usually reply, same old, same old. And according to the Cambridge Dictionary, this phrase means that our life is rather predictable or typical. And it lists synonyms such as constant, unchanging, or static. But what do you do at that moment when your life is anything but routine? Maybe it occurs in the middle of the night. Perhaps it's at noontime on a bright, sunny day. Or maybe it's during a torrential summer downpour. That sudden and unexpected instant that changes everything. What will you be doing at that time? Have you ever given any thought to what your very last act in life will be? Unexpected deaths occur in unexpectedly higher proportions today more than any time in history. And the website Science Alert reports that unexpected deaths in the United States are rising at an alarming rate. But other types of death, or anticipated deaths, are also rising in frequency due to a variety of reasons, such as poor diet, smoking, sedentary lifestyles, at-risk behaviors, and other related causes. In our last episode of Watered Down Women, we talked about making funeral preparations for death. And today, we'll discuss the need for emotionally preparing ourselves for the loss of a loved one. Is acceptance easier for the survivors if their family member has been ill for a long time and then passes away versus dying unexpectedly? It is believed that in sudden death, a person's grief is not necessarily greater than if the death was anticipated, but that the survivor's ability to cope is greatly reduced. With so many unknowns about the dying process, I reached out to Alice Fraser Snook, who spent over two decades as a hospice social worker, and she shared her experiences in dealing with dying patients and their families. And she answered the many questions I had about understanding 
the terminally ill person. When does hospice enter into someone's life? Hospice normally enters a person's life when they are given a terminal diagnosis with a limited life expectancy, um, six months or less, according to Medicare. Um, it has to be medically certified that in the medical provider's best judgment, the person has less than six months to live. What are the top three questions that patients and or their family members ask? Dying patients and families ask all kinds of questions and, you know, sometimes, um, you know, they're even unspoken questions. Um, how long is a big question that they usually have. Um, do they know? This may be posed by a patient's family or, or you know, uh, the patient themselves wondering if the family knows or wondering if the patient has been told. Um, questions about caregiving. Uh, their changing roles, um, in, you know, on an emotional and practical level, spiritual questions such as going to hell or going to heaven, uh, things like that. Um, you know, dying people often have uh, like a sense of urgency about their communications. Um, they uh, have like a need to tell type of mentality um, before that they can before they cannot. I then ask her what it is that hospice actually does. Hospice, I often tell people, is the best kept secret in town because people who um, haven't had, you know, reason to use hospice care um, don't want to think about or hear about or know about all the services that hospice can provide. Um, until they need it. Um, hospice is a holistic approach to death and dying. Um, they offer medical, physical services, you know, nursing visits, um, but they also can provide emotional support uh, to the families and to the patients, uh, spiritual support when, you know, the uh, dying process is close, and uh, just an overall supportive um, service to those who are who are close to death. What is the difference between palliative care and hospice care? Palliative care is for people who have uh, chronic illness, who are still maybe seeking aggressive type treatments. Um, hospice care is for patients who um, have a life-limiting illness um, that they're not seeking aggressive type treatments for it any longer. We talked about the meaning of the word hope and the dying process. And Alice shared that hope's meaning often changes because an individual might go from hoping for a cure to hoping for a painless journey through the dying process. We hear so much about the stages of grief. Is there such a thing? Um, the grieving process is as unique as your thumbprint. Um, it really is a very unique process. Everybody does it their own way, in their own time frame. Uh, you hear a lot about 
time frames of grieving, um, people think, well, it's been a year, or it's been six months, um, you know, it's been three days and we're all getting back to work and <laughs> um, going on with our lives. And um, But the stages of grief are similar to the stages of dying, um, you know, denial, it's not happening to me. Um, and uh, anger, why me, you know, um, anger at God, anger at uh, the person who has died. Um, bargaining means like um, me, but what if this, you know, had happened or that had happened or um, depression is the woe is me, you know, kind of stuck in your own funk, so to speak. Um, and acceptance is me, but now how do I move forward? Do we all grieve differently? And if so, how should we perceive the grieving of other people? I don't think that we can judge how another person is grieving um, the loss of even the, uh, the same person because we didn't have the same relationship with that person that they might have had. It's important to be supportive of uh, others while they're going through the grieving process and not to be so judgmental about um, how they're doing it. Culturally, um, it can be uh, different for a lot of people, um, spiritually, emotionally, Women typically are more expressive, um, and men tend to be a little more stoic and try not to, um, like, wear their emotions on their, you know, shirt sleeve and that kind of thing. So I think that absolutely that men and women grieve differently. From your experience, does the dying person actually want to talk about dying some people feel a great need to express themselves verbally and in other ways. If a person has always been one to share their thoughts and feelings, you can expect that they will, you know, during this time in their lives. Um, if one has not felt the need to open up and express themselves verbally, then you shouldn't expect for the dying process to be any different. I say don't be surprised if it happens, but don't automatically assume that it will either. There is an honesty among the dying. Listen more than you talk and allow them to express what they need to in their own way, in their own time. It might be in conversation, it might be in their actions or even in their inactions. Alice ended our conversation by saying that death is about the dying person and we are all just supporting actors. But each of us will have our opportunity to take center stage. Now, I'll close today's conversation with lyrics from Sandra Emery Lawrence's song, When I'm Gone. You'll wonder why the earth still moves. You'll wonder how you'll carry on. But you'll be okay on that first day when... I am gone. Then life will call with daffodils 
and morning glorious blue skies. Think of me, some memory, and softly smile to your surprise. And even though you love me still, you will know where you belong. Just give it time. We'll both be fine when I am gone. Watered down women with diluted dreams of hope for joy has been washed down the street. A fool's paradise.